You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill on this holiday hungover Thursday. We're getting ready to wrap up the final, final week in the NFL somehow. I don't know how it happened. The Patriots are playing the Miami Dolphins at Gillette Stadium for the chance to lock up the number two seed. There's going to be an absolutely wild slate of games this weekend for a lot of playoff seedings and spots still on the line. It's pretty nice to have it this late in the year. Lot to get to, but before I get to all of that, Rich Hill, how was your holiday, buddy? Oh, it was wonderful. Spending time with the family in beautiful Florida. Very, very happy to say that it's been beautiful. Uh, you know, I, I think I talked about this on our Thanksgiving podcast that I had my brother-in-law as a chef, and he did an exemplary job for Thanksgiving uh, with that same family for Christmas, and uh, delicious, just fantastic food all around. That is with how I rate my holidays. And this has just been a rousing success, Alec. How was yours? It was great, man. I uh, did the whole Christmas Eve at the at relative's house, Christmas morning at my parents' house, Christmas dinner at my in-laws' house. A lot of traveling, but that's kind of the way you do it when everyone lives close enough to not make an excuse to just fly somewhere like you did. <laughs> you did it right. If everyone's within driving distance, you have to travel to everybody. But that's okay because I had some great drinks, some great food, and ready for some great football. As we close out this regular season, there are a lot of playoff seedings on the line in the AFC and NFC both. Rich, you're kind of our guru for the playoff picture, so I don't know what's going on, How, who can get what. Help me out here. What's going on with the playoffs and who's going to get in? Yeah, so right now, as you mentioned earlier, most of what can happen in Week 17 is all about playoff seating because there's not a lot of open spaces. In fact, like in the NFC, there isn't really any openings whatsoever. Uh, the only determination is seating outside of the NFC East, where right now they, the Eagles have the edge over the Dallas Cowboys for the, the division title. The Cowboys need the Eagles to lose to the New York Giants in Week 17 in order to potentially reclaim the the top of the NFC East. So most of what's happening in the NFC is really just about seeding because uh, you know you have the San Francisco 49ers currently in the one spot. They are playing on Sunday night against the Seattle Seahawks. If the Seahawks win, then the the 49ers could drop all the way down to the the five seed. Um, and then the, the Seahawks would win that division. They would be 12 and four to finish out the season. And then that doesn't necessarily mean they'll be the one seed because you also have the Packers and the Saints at 12 and three. Right now, the Packers have the edge over the Saints, but everything is up in the air. You have four teams that are currently competing for a potential bye week or potentially home field advantage. So. There's a lot going on in the NFC from a seeding perspective, but you really can't concern yourself too much with it if you're a Patriots fan looking at the AFC, uh, where there's also there's a little bit more excitement. You know that that number six spot is still available in the playoffs. You have the Ravens that are locked in at number one with home field advantage. You have the Patriots jousting with the Chiefs for that number two spot. Uh, the Chiefs can go anywhere from the two to the four seed, whether if they win and the Patriots lose, then they get the two seed. If they lose and the Texans win, they get to go to the four seed. The Texans are either the third or the fourth. The Bills are locked in at five. But that number six spot, Alec, that number six team in the AFC is pretty interesting. There's three teams vying for that right now, and I want to go really in-depth into one of them, but at awesome. the top of it, 
at the top of it. You have the Tennessee Titans that are in the driver's seat for that. They're at eight and seven right now. They can win their spot if they defeat the Texans in the, the season finale. The the Texans have not decided yet whether or not they'll rest their starters because they have an opportunity to, to be that number three seed, to have a little bit more of a favorable matchup in the postseason where they get to, you know, if they move up to the three seed, they get to avoid the Buffalo Bills in the opening round. And then they get a more favorable matchup, if we're being honest, against the Patriots if they manage to win than having to potentially go on the road against the Ravens. So the Texans have a lot to consider of whether or not they'll play their starters based off whether or not the, the Chargers upset the, the Chiefs, which would be a major shocker. So you have the Titans that have the driver's seat. Then you also have the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are playing the Baltimore Ravens in the regular season finale. Normally we'd say, well, the Ravens are going to just absolutely wipe them off the face of the earth, but... Baltimore is going to rest all of their starters. Uh, Lamar Jackson is not going to play. Robert Griffin III, RG3, is going to be their starting quarterback. Baltimore is expected to rest most of their important players. You know, Not everyone can be inactive, but they might not play. And that get, really opens up the door for the Steelers to have an opportunity to sneak in as that sixth seed because, uh, you know what, they have a pretty good defense. They honestly, I mean, if you look at the numbers, they've been you know, a top three, top five defense ever since they acquired Minka Fitzpatrick. They have been very, very great. They're led by TJ Watt as a pass rusher. They have a lot of talent. It's just that their offensive side of the ball is atrocious. But it could be interesting if you have two similar teams in the, the Bills and the Steelers in the 5-6 spot where you have just no offense and just crazy good defense. Wacky things can happen in the postseason. You know, maybe we'll see some upsets. But the one team that I really want to talk about, Alec, are the Oakland Raiders. They, they are 7-8. and eight. They still have a chance of making the postseason. And honestly, they should have been eliminated last week, but they have been in the middle of one of the most incredible, incredible parlays in, that we've seen. You know, they, they, they should have been eliminated, but they needed to have so many things go their way for them to have an opportunity to make the postseason over the past two weeks. So first off, Oakland, the Raiders needed to win their last two games. That's pretty much a given. But they also needed a few other things. They needed the Titans to lose to the Saints in Week 16, which happened. They needed the Steelers to lose to the Jets in Week 16, which happened. And they needed the Colts to beat the Panthers in Week 16, which happened. And they needed the Browns to lose one of their final two games. They lost last week to the Baltimore Ravens. So right now, there are four games that have to go in the Raiders' favor, Alec. And I want you to tell me whether or not you think it will happen because if this plays out that way, then the Raiders are going to be the sixth seed. They are going to make the postseason, and this is like a great hurrah goodbye for the Raiders before they move to Vegas. Week 17 games that have to go in the Raiders' favor. First off, the Raiders have to beat the Broncos. Do you think that's possible? Very much so. All right. And then they also need the Titans to lose to the Texans. Texans lead the AFC South. Alex, do you see that possibly happening? Man, that's going to be tough. The Titans are obviously playing for their playoff lives, and the Texans are playing for their seeding lives. I don't think anybody wants to go to Baltimore if they can help it. That's going to be a tough game. But Titans are capable of winning this game. So just to keep this fantasy alive, I'm going to say yes, that is possible to happen. Keep going. All right. They also need the Colts to beat the Jaguars. Very, very possible. All right. And then the last one that they need to go in their favor is for the Steelers to lose to the Baltimore Ravens. On paper, this is a massive mismatch, obviously, but Baltimore has nothing to play for on Sunday. 
Maybe they start their starters for one drive to get some kind of salary cap or, or roster bonus, whatever you want to call it, and then they rest everybody because why wouldn't you? And that's still a tough order because I think the the crappy Baltimore backups are still better than the Steelers. But the good thing about that, what I'm really hoping happens is that – oh, they all play at the same time, don't they? The, yep. the Colts and Steelers and, and – oh, and the, oh, man. So basically they'll know right away because I feel like – what did you say? One of the things you said happens at 1 o'clock, doesn't it? Or do they all happen at 425? Uh, I believe that all of these games are happening at the, at the same 425 time. spot. Oh, that is beautiful. So they're going to have to play regardless. I personally don't see the Steelers beating the Ravens, even if they they have their backups playing. And it would be a scenario where everything happened except for that one thing, and that would really suck. But what a wild scenario that is, regardless of how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the Texans are at home. I wouldn't be shocked if they won. The Ravens are at home. Wouldn't be shocked if they won. Colts on the road would be the one that I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe Gardner Minshew could, could uh, lead the Jaguars to victory. But honestly, at the end of the day, I'd say that there's like a 50-50 chance that this could all play out in the Raiders' favor. Uh, and then I think the ultimate thing would either be the, the Raiders to lose to the Broncos, even though everything else goes in their favor. That would just be <laughs> hilarious to me. Um, but then also... Uh, I mean, remember a few years back when Andy Dalton threw that incredible touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens that sent the Buffalo Bills into the postseason? Yeah. I could see that happening. I could see some ridiculous play get etched into the lore of the, the Raiders' history at the hands of some other team where, you know, I don't know, Marlon Mack or something like that. I don't even know who's playing. Naheem Himes for the, the Indianapolis Colts. Scores a touchdown as time expires to send the Raiders to the playoffs. That would be fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that there's a lot to think about within the AFC, Alec. And my question to you is, how would you want the AFC playoff seeding to play out that would be as favorable as possible for the Patriots? Ideally, I'd like the Patriots to be the one seed, but that's not going to happen, obviously. Obviously, they have to beat the, the Miami Dolphins because I just don't see any scenario. Maybe I'm wrong where the Chiefs beat the Chargers. Uh, the Chiefs lose to the Chargers, excuse me. It's been a very long time since New England got, got December help from anybody, and that's probably not going to happen this week. But if I get to have kind of a, my own magical fantasy land here, I would have the Chiefs losing to the Chargers and the Patriots winning against the Miami Dolphins and then the Texans beating the Titans, move the, move the Titans, the Texans into the three seed and the Miami and the Chiefs into the four seed because that would basically send should both all the home teams take care of business on wild card weekend that would send the Chiefs to Baltimore which would get Mahomes or Jackson out of the way for the Patriots and would have yet another Patriots Texans divisional round it's as close to a playoff tradition as you can get in the <laughs> NFL and the Patriots always seem to beat the Texans up pretty handily when they come in there and that would get Mahomes out of the way most likely and that would send New England off to off to Baltimore for the eighth championship game oh yeah uh, I mean, I feel like the Ravens team is unstoppable right now at this point in time, but I agree with you. I think that that would be the, the most favorable lineup at uh, the top of the AFC. Um, the, the Bills against the, the Chiefs, though, would give me hope that maybe the Bills could somehow upset the, the Kansas City Chiefs. That would be wonderful. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking of which teams have the best opportunity to knock off the Ravens on the road in the divisional round. And uh, could the Chiefs do it? Absolutely. They've beaten the Ravens already this year. Could the Texans do it? I don't buy it. I don't buy that the, the Texans could go on the road and beat them. I don't know. if. I mean, we talked about earlier this week how the Bills just have one of the best defenses in the league. And, like, you could get some wacky bounces that maybe they could do it. 
Um, but then also maybe the the Tennessee Titans could do it. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if like Derrick Henry just had a monster playoff game and just shocks the world. So if if I had to uh, give my ideal playoff picture, it would go Ravens one, Patriots two, Texans three, Chiefs four. You have your Bills in the five spot, and then you have your Titans sixth, and that gives a lot of opportunity where I think the the four, five, and six teams. I'll have the opportunity to beat the Ravens on the road. I think that the Texans give the Patriots the most favorable matchup in the divisional round, uh, barring some other team going, uh, you know, winning or, you know, both wildcard teams winning. So there's a lot to like. There's a lot to think about, Alec, with the the playoffs. We have a lot to look through where the Patriots are playing. They're, they're 1 p.m. game. They'll have to wait for the 425 games to see how all of the other teams play out. Um, I mean, they'll know if the Chiefs win or lose after that one o'clock game as well. Alec, let's start breaking down this one o'clock game between the Patriots and the Dolphins. We've waited long enough. What are your initial thoughts on this game? Well, the good news is the last time these two teams played in Miami, where the Patriots usually lose to the Dolphins, it was, what, 43 to nothing, I think, was the final score. And it was just an absolute beatdown. The Dolphins, however, Rich, give them credit, have been pretty solid over the last half of the season or so they've kind of screwed themselves out of a a good draft pick but they've shown some momentum and they've shown some unity and the guys that are there they kind of dumped off the players that weren't really buying into the brian flores rebuild the guys that are there like what they're building towards and while i am very confident in the dolphins inability to win in gillette in december with a buy on the line i definitely think they will give the patriots more of a game than they gave them in week two or three whenever it was oh yeah absolutely back in week two i mean this is a dolphins team that is not terrible anymore they are four and four over their past eight games bill belichick will be the first to say they have talented players they really liked Devontae parker and he has over a thousand yards on the year. Mike Jacecki is their tight end who has really come on in recent weeks. I picked him up in fantasy. So, uh, he, he has been producing very well, uh, you know, over their past eight games. He has been averaging like 50 yards a game and like a touchdown every other game. So he has been a reliable target for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Alan Hearns, he left last week with a shoulder injury, but he has been like a solid number two receiver. You have Albert Wilson, who has stepped up out of his slot role. He's really settling in in recent weeks as well. Uh, You know, dating back over the past five games or so, he's... uh, He's recorded somewhere along the lines of like 25 catches for over 200 yards. So he he has also been a solid contributor. So this is a very different Miami Dolphins offense than what they saw back in week two, where they just had a hodgepodge of players out there in and out. And then also uh, on the defensive side, they they are completely different. So this is a team that could very well be six and nine at this point in time, other than like some missed field goals, they could have beaten Washington and the Jets. So, this is a team, I mean, they are what the record says. They are they are currently 4-11, and 11, probably going to go to 4-12 and 12 if the Patriots have their way at home. Alec, when you're looking at the, the Miami Dolphins offense, and you are Bill Belichick, and you are Steve Belichick, and Gerard Mayo, who are you worried about, and how do you want to defend them? I'm worried about Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's who I'm worried about because I think we're in the weird cycle right now. He had a, he took him a while to get back to his, I guess, wheel of, of, of Patrick self. Um, I don't know <laughs> which guy's going to show up. I really don't know. 
He's a, he's going to be lights out. He could throw five touchdowns. He, he could legitimately throw for five touchdowns on, on Sunday, and I wouldn't bat an eye at it. And the receiving core for the Dolphins isn't bad. I mean, I like Devontae Parker. I like Alan Hearns. I like Albert Wilson. They're not world-beating number one monster receivers, but it's a very solid group. Jonathan Jones probably won't play as he nurses that groin injury still. Jason McCourty's banged up. J.C. Jackson's playing great. Stephon Gilmore is defensive player of the year, in my opinion. But it's going to be—it's not going to be a Buffalo Bills situation where you can just put a hat on a hat and mo- focus most of your resources on containing the mobile quarterback and stopping the run. The good news is this patch is not a threat to run the way that Josh Allen is, but I think that they are going to have to focus much more on the pass than the run this time around because the talent level of the Miami Dolphins receivers is a little better than the Buffalo Bills are. And I like what the Patriots can bring to the table, kind of putting a hat on the hat on the defensive line side because um, I don't really think that the the Dolphins have a, a strong enough running game to have to really focus on it. So I'm worried about the passing game and maybe some, some bunch coverage, some press coverage, some safety help, and force the Patrick into, into mistakes and make sure the, the pumpkin comes out and not the Cinderella version of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I really like what you're saying about this, the depth of the, the receiving options for the Miami Dolphins because they do have a lot of players. I mean, they have a very veteran group with Devontae Parker, who we mentioned before, but also Alan Hearns, who left last week with an injured shoulder. We'll see how he will be available. Um, but he is also just always a viable number two. You have Albert Wilson coming out of the slot who is someone that the, the Patriots like. And then also Isaiah Ford is a second-year player who has really emerged over the past three weeks. Uh, you know, I mean, the he's been playing most of the snaps. He's been averaging 60 yards a game over the past three weeks. He's really building a rapport with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you have a four-deep receiving chart for this, this Miami Dolphins team. If I am the Patriots, uh, you also have to be cognizant of that. Mike Jacecki is going to be on the field. He is going to be one of the premier tight ends. I wouldn't be shocked if in the next like next year or two, um, he becomes a little bit more well-regarded in that place. Um, but he plays most of a lot of the snaps. You have uh, either Miles Gaskin, who left last game with a left ankle injury. We'll see what he's doing. Or Patrick Laird, uh, who isn't really that great of a running back but he's back there as an option he's been one of their starters just as they've had a rotation in the back um there will always be one running back on the field there will likely always be one tight end and so you'll have a rotation of those three wide receivers out there and uh i think isaiah ford will play a little bit more if alan hearns is unavailable uh they kind of rotate their their snaps based off of uh what the matchups say um but you'll also have albert wilson in that rotation but they're undeniable number one is going to be Devontae Parker. And so as a result, you put Stephon Gilmore on him, going to blanket him. Uh, He held Devontae Parker to zero receptions on seven targets back in week two. I would expect an encore performance. Um, But then after that, it becomes a little bit questionable for the Patriots because uh, how will everyone be? Jason McCourty has been dealing with his ongoing groin injury. Jonathan Jones has been dealing with an injury. And so I would say let's put J.C. Jackson out there on either Alan Hearns or Isaiah Ford, whoever is out there at that time. Uh, and then you would probably put, you know, Joe John Williams out there against uh, whoever is the, the bigger receiver. If they have a, a three receiver set and move JC Jackson into the slot. So uh, you would probably put JC Jackson on Albert Wilson and allow the taller Joe John Williams to cover either the, the six, three Alan Hearns or the six, two Isaiah Ford. 
And that's assuming that Jonathan Jones and Jason McCourty are not able to go. Otherwise, you keep J.C. Jackson and his great deep ball ability on the outside, allow him to defend Isaiah Ford, uh, and then you put Jason McCourty in the slot. But that, that is worth monitoring on how he will fare. I just think that the Patriots match up well enough against these wide receivers, but we've played Ryan Fitzpatrick enough, Alec, that literally anything could happen. You know, that we, we saw last week about how Josh Allen had those beautiful passes every now and then. That's like Ryan Fitzpatrick light. Ryan Fitzpatrick is capable of throwing five touchdowns in a game, and he's also th- capable of throwing five interceptions. I have no idea which version will show up, but I, I expect that the Patriots are going to dedicate a little bit more of the resources to stopping the pass because of how inconsistent this Miami Dolphins rushing attack has been. No, it's true. Absolutely true. Um, and there's a scenario where Dolphins can kind of keep hanging around, hanging around late. And we can't have that. I want to get this game out of the way early, which is why I'm actually picking Devin McCourty as my Patriots X Factor this season. McCourty came out of the first of the first season, logged 25 interceptions. He was in a great great place, and he hasn't fallen off by any means. I'm not saying he's had a bad season, but I don't think he's been uh, as uh, as noticed because other players are playing so well. I think he's been as good as he's always been, but there have been so many guys shining in this defensive scheme this season that I don't think McCourty's gotten his due. So I'm going to give him some love here, and I also think he's going to be the kind of guy patrolling the deep half of the field, and he will be the guy making sure that it's a five-interception day as opposed to a <laughs> because the Brown touchdown that happened against the Buffalo Bills last week was kind of a miscommunication between Stephon Gilmore and Devin McCourty. I think they'll address that a lot this week in practice, won't let it happen again, and McCourty will redeem himself and then some with it with a pick. Oh, I like that. I like that. I, I mean, there are so many players that can take the ball out of the air for the Patriots defense, whether it's Gilmore, McCourty, or Jackson. You can throw in the Jamie Collins, but the guy that I want to throw out there is Deron Harmon, who I think hasn't had as many uh, you know, big plays as we're used to from the closer. Maybe they just haven't had as many of those opportunities out there. Um, but he hasn't had an interception since week seven. He still has been playing like the majority of the snaps as that third safety. I expect this is a game where he will be able to capitalize on an errant Ryan Fitzpatrick pass at a key moment. Uh, and that's why he's going to be my X factor. But I agree with you that like the secondary is going to dictate how the Patriots fare against this Miami Dolphins team that ranks 32nd in the league in rushing attempts, 32nd in the league in rushing yards, 31st in yards per carry. They don't have uh, a single rusher with more than 250 yards on the ground. Their leading rusher is, can you have a guess, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick is their team's leading rusher. Their number two rusher is Mark Walton, who is no longer on their team. Their number three rusher is Kenyon Drake, who is now with the Arizona Cardinals. So this is not a potent rushing game. The Patriots will dedicate enough resources to make sure that Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't scramble, but I expect this to be a heavy nickel and dime game for the Patriots secondary, where you'll have five or six defensive backs out there. Jerron Harmon, I would expect to play a lot of the games. Maybe we'll have four cornerbacks and two safeties, but... Whatever the case is, I think that there's going to be a big game for the Patriots with some turnover opportunity. Uh, On the other side of the ball, Alec, we're coming off of a great game by the Patriots offense, or at least just like as solid of a game from the offense that we've seen in a long time, where they did a good job against a great Buffalo Bills defense. What's in store for the New England offense? There are three things I want to see, Rich Hill, from the Patriots offense 
against the Miami Dolphins. One, I want to see more of those or continue to use those two back sects that allow Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead to gain chunks both up the middle and on the stretch run. I think that was very successful the Patriots last week. I want to see it going again this week. Number two, I want to see the Patriots finally take a deep shot to Nikhil Harry down the sideline. He had a couple that were called back for penalties or the play got busted, but I think they're not really using him as a deep threat. I want to see one, at least one deep shot to Nikhil Harry down the sideline to help stretch the field as the run game opens up. Maybe a nice deep play action post route to Nikhil Harry. And three, I want to see Tom Brady lay out another DB on on an end-around block. As long as those three (laughs) things happen, I'll be a very happy man. Ah, well, hopefully Tom Brady doesn't have to go out there in the open, but we shall see. Um, Yeah, I mean, I love that idea, though, of getting Nikhil Harry involved a little bit down the field. They really haven't been doing it. They've been trying to get his feet wet by giving him the ball in the open field and allowing him to do stuff in space. I would expect a little bit more of that, but I think you're right that maybe all of this is just building up to have those deep shot opportunities because Nikhil Harry is that big body receiver that the Patriots have been looking for in a while. He's shown the opportunity that he can catch those 50-50 contested balls or do those back shoulder catches. I think we'll see one of those. I think we'll be in the red zone, and there will be some sort of uh, a route to the outside sideline where Tom Brady will see that Nikhil Harry is get playing press coverage against someone, uh, and then we'll see that, you know, I'm going to throw it to the back shoulder. Nikhil Harry will catch it in the front of the end zone and just duck out. And so I think that getting Nikhil Harry early, involved early will be super important. And I, I think that it's also important to have the running game continually involved. We're seeing some beneficial runs from Sonny Michelle and Rex Burkhead as of late. James White will always be his consistent self. But looking at this Patriots offense, I don't want to put Julian Edelman in harm's way at this point in time where he's already so banged up. And hopefully they won't need his contributions against this Miami Dolphins defense that ranks 32nd in the league. So hopefully other players can step up, whether it's force-feeding Mohamed Sanu and uh, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, getting them involved and making sure that they're productive, or maybe even a Philip Dorsett game. But getting the ball on the ground, controlling the clock, controlling the tempo is something that could really play to the Patriots' favor where you can eliminate some of those high volatility drives from Ryan Fitzpatrick and the, and the, the Miami Dolphins offense. And, uh, you know, you can kind of just impose your will upon this Miami Dolphins defense that isn't too great. They, they are fine. They are not great. Um, they, they are, you know, teams are capable of moving the ball against them. Uh, they currently rank 31st in the league in rushing yards uh, or rushing attempts against, mostly because they've been trailing so much. But they're they're a bottom 10 team against the run, and so the Patriots should be able to have some success controlling the clock, moving the ball down the field. I agree with that. I really want to see the run game continue to build because it was the run game that got them a Super Bowl last year, and I think it'll be more of the same if the Patriots are going to keep Lamar Jackson off the field, Patrick Mahomes off the field in the postseason. They'll have to have be able to run the ball very well, which is why I'm actually going to hope that Rex Burkhead can keep momentum going and be my X Factor this year, this week, excuse me. I think it was so great to see after he had that big fumble in the opening drive of the Bills game, they kept going back to him. They got him involved in the screen game. He had that great run to put the go-ahead touchdown. He had one of his better games as a Patriot this season. In years past, he'd be on the bench till next year for that one fumble. But the Patriots have enough faith in him and trust in him to get him back involved in the game. He's a great screen running back. He's great between the tackles running back. I want to see Sonny Michelle too as well, obviously. But I want to see Rex Burkhead really offer that that extra wrinkle in the run game where you don't 
don't know if they're running it or passing it with him on the field. I think those formats, formations out of that two-back set where they really have no clue what they're doing will really open up the passing game, maybe get the Nikhil Harry, Philip Dorsett, even Mohamed Sanu. He could be kind of like my ex-sub-1 factor. Maybe, <laughs> he has a, maybe he has like a decent game. And But I think it all comes down to Rex Burkhead. I want to see Rex Burkhead keep it going and build some real momentum for the playoffs. Oh, I like that. I mean, the, the Patriots' offense is better when they have a versatile rushing attack. And, you know, similar to how, like, I mean, the Patriots rely so heavily on their linebackers, on their defense, even though other teams might not necessarily build their teams that way. But, you know, the Bill Belichick defenses are always better when they have great linebackers. I think the same thing is true for the Patriots offense, is that they are always better when they have versatile and multiple rushing attacks. And Rex Burkhead is that cornerstone where he gives them that versatility in the red zone that the other running backs don't. You know, I mean, I think Sonny Michelle is a capable receiver, and I think James White is a capable runner. But I think Rex Burkhead is better at both uh, when they're they're able to to run the ball, and so or when they're in the red zone. And so I, I think that getting Rex Burkhead involved, making sure that he's continuing to develop, is going to be very very valuable for the Patriots. Um, I, I think that if I were Josh McDaniels and the Patriots, and I've already said that I'm not going to rely too much on Julian Edelman because I really want to avoid an 09 situation where uh, you have a an injury to your only receiver like they had with Wes Welker. Um, I think that we will see uh, a little bit more of, uh, you know, a let your younger players play. And that is how I would build it, and that's why my X factor is going to be Nikhil Harry, as we mentioned. We've seen teases of him since he's returned from the injured reserve. We've seen little bit of flashes of what he looks like when he has the ball in the open field. We've seen a little bit of what it looks like when he's targeted by Tom Brady. We've seen a little bit of the trust. We've seen a little bit of the production. And this is the game. This this is the game where I think he has to really step up as that number two receiver that we've been talking about in our recent podcast. And he really has to be that guy for the postseason. You know, we, we've seen other young players take that leap in the playoffs with uh, Michael Mitchell. I would expect we'll see the same thing with Nikhil Harry. He's going to have a pretty favorable matchup against this this Miami Dolphins secondary that is pretty banged up. You have Eric Rowe as their number one cornerback out there, uh, but he plays all over their defense. He lines up against tight ends at times, but the Patriots don't have one, so they'll likely line him up on the outside. Patriots are very, very familiar with him. Outside of Eric Rowe, they have Nick Needham at cornerback, and if you're like, who the heck is Nick Needham? That is a good point. He is a, a rookie. Uh, no one has really ever heard of him before, but he's played this whole season. He's, he's been doing a good job as a 10-game as a starter for the, the Miami Dolphins, playing majority of the snaps, has 11 passes defended, and they also have Jamal Wiltz, who injured himself last week, so we'll have to see if he's going to play, but he was off of the Patriots practice squad. There are a lot of familiar faces in the secondary. None of them are world beaters. This is going to be an opportunity for Harry to really establish himself as that top option for Tom Brady. Love it. Love. I had to kill Harry last week as next factor. I think I was right. Hopefully you're right this week as well. Uh, I think Nick Harry's really Nick Harry. Nikhil Harry's really coming into his own, and he can only get better from here. The real question is when the postseason comes, will he be able to shake off any kind of rookie jitters, and will Tom Brady keep looking his way? That's really what it's all about. Uh, one more thing before we get to predictions, Rich. Uh, we haven't had it in a while, and I think the last time the Miami Dolphins played the Patriots, there were two of these, uh, <laughs> and they were defensive scores. And so how are we going to have that happen this week, or should we stop doing it and make it so it can actually happen? 
Oh, what's where's the fun in that? Where That's is true. the fun in that? I'm going to go ahead and say this one uh, is going to be a classic Ryan Fitz tragic opportunity for the the Patriots secondary to feast. I mentioned that Deron Harmon is going to be my X factor, and I think that he will have some interceptions at the opportune times. But I don't think that he will be the type of player to return it to the end zone just because that's not the type of player he is with the ball in his hand. So I I think what we will also see is a fumble opportunity. I I would expect we'll see a blind side sack by Chase Winovich on Ryan Fitzpatrick, who will knock the ball out, and a player like Patrick Chung will pick it up and return it for the score. I love it. I love scooping scores. I love pick sixes, but those are all good. Since it's the holidays and it's a time for miracles and things you didn't expect to ever see happening, taking place, and everyone getting a really good love out of life and all that good stuff, I'm going to go with something that hasn't even come close to happening this season. Probably won't on Sunday, but you never know. And I'm going to go with a Brandon Bolden kickoff return for a touchdown. Wow. Yeah. Uh, again, he's been serviceable at best back there as a kick returner. Um <laughs> I don't think he's ever gotten beyond the 30-yard line, maybe 35 once. Uh, it's been a real weak point in the Patriots since Cordero Patterson left. I thought they're trying to kill Harry back there, maybe Sanu, but it's been it's Bolden's game to lose, apparently. Maybe this is the, the week they finally show us why they have him back there every single time they kick off, takes one to the house, shuts everybody up, and ushers in the new year in style. Wow. Well, that is a, certainly a bold prediction. I, and, I mean, Indeed it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that... Uh, Brandon Bolden is back there literally just because he doesn't fumble. Uh, I think that's like his entire role for the Patriots special teams unit is just please don't turn the ball over. Just please, please don't. Um, but I will say right now he is putting together one of the the least impressive kick return seasons for the Patriots Ever. in the, the Bill Belichick era. Uh, looking at there have been 17 seasons of players who have returned at least 20-plus kick returns. Uh, Cordero Patterson is number one. He had 23 returns last year for a 28.8 yard per return, so he's doing an outstanding job, top of the list. You have Ellis Hobbs in 2008 at 28.5. And then uh, all the way down at 15th out of 17, (laughs) you have Brandon Bolden at 21.7. So he is not very inspiring. The only two below him are Kevin Falk in 2000 and 2001. So we have not seen this week of a kick return unit for the Patriots since 2001. And Kevin Falk served the same exact role that year as what we're saying Brandon Bolton's doing, which is just please don't turn the ball over. Please just hold on to the ball. Maybe you'll get involved a little bit on offense, but please, please, please don't turn it over. I love it, though. That's right in the spirit. Happy holidays. Way to go, Brandon Bolton. I hope you do return that because it's always better when, you know, you have the, the random players really excel. Uh, Alec, last question. We're on to predictions. Week 17, how are we doing? We're doing okay. <clears throat> We're doing better if you're you because you had the pretty close prediction. You had a Patriots winning 24-13 over the Bills. Uh, it was 24-17, so you got the Patriots score right. We are pretty dead even. I haven't gone back and checked off who's gotten the most predictions right, but it looks, based on the check marks I've, I've gone off, we are pretty close to matched up. So I will go ahead and declare it a tie up to this point, even though it's it's uh, 15 games, it's impossible to have a tie, but I'm going to declare it a tie. <laughs> we had a tie, right? Yeah, we're tied. We, we, I think we tied. I think a couple, maybe a couple games. We both picked the Patriots to win. They lost. Whatever it was, we're gonna have this game for all the marbles. Loser buys the winner a beer at the next meeting, as per the usual tradition. <laughs> Patriots hosting the Dolphins. Who you got? All right. Well, looking at how the Miami Dolphins have been faring in recent weeks, they have been doing well enough on offense. 
They are 4-4 four and four over the past eight weeks, as we've said. Most of those games uh, that they've lost, though, have been on the road. They are 1-3 on the road in that span. We have losses to the Browns, to the Jets, and to the Giants. None of those teams are anywhere as close to the Patriots' quality, so I'm very confidently projecting a Patriots victory here. Um, and then you look at how the the Miami Dolphins have allowed points against those teams in just like over their past, what, five games, let's say, five or six games, opposing teams are averaging roughly like 35 points per game. And these aren't the Patriots offense, who for all of their struggles this year are still at least average. You know, like this is not the world-beating Patriots offense of old, but they are not bad. And like compared to the rest of the league, whereas teams have bad offenses, you know, like you have the Bills team that put up 37 against this Dolphins team. You have a Giants team that's atrocious that put up 36. The Bengals put up 35. So these are bad teams. And I expect the Patriots to continue that tradition and put up 35 points against this Miami Dolphins team. I expect New England's defense to close out in solid fashion, but I also expect the Patriots to start resting their starters if they've built up an early enough lead to you know, protect them from injury, allow them to rest up for the postseason, and that would lead to a couple possible scores towards the end of the game by the Dolphins. And so I expect a Patriots victory 35-21. to 21. That's not as close as that score suggests. 35 to 21, Rich Hill. Patriots get over the 30-point mark. I like it. All right. I am going with a 31-17 game here. Patriots win this. Uh, I think the 17, the 10, uh, the, the 7 points comes in garbage time. It'll be 31 to 10 when the game's well out of hand. I think it's a lot of running, a lot of Sony Michelle, a lot of Rex Burkhead. We got a, two touchdown passes from Tom Brady, and that Brandon Bolden kick return. Is going to be also on there on our fold on our. I think it's going to be a good good game. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be anything close to what we saw week two. Dolphins are a better team. They're playing for pride. They know they can play spoiler. Sometimes when a team knows they can play spoiler, they can come in and, and surprise. But this is the Patriots against the Dolphins at Gillette in December. Florida teams don't do well in cold weather, and there's a playoff buyer on the line. There's no way the Patriots lose this game. I'm as confident as I have ever been all season. The Pats win this game, win it handily, 31 to 17, and a game like you mentioned is not that close. Awesome, awesome. I would love to see that happen. I would love to have a relaxing victory for the Patriots, where they can coast into the postseason as that number two seed. May all of the other games play out in the Patriots' favor. Alec, week 17, man. We are almost at the end of the regular season. Do you have any final thoughts? I mean, this was this was technically our last podcast of the regular season. We still have a couple more to go, hopefully. Hopefully at least uh, at least three more of these to go. But, um, man, it's been a fun ride. Hasn't been the most um, exciting season offensively in a lot of ways, but it's always been a blast doing it, breaking it down with you, and hopefully we can uh, keep this going until at least late January, early February. All right. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later, man. Later, man.